Well, that was quite a week. I have to tell you, the, uh, the decision came down that overruled the Casey decision, which in turn had basically gutted Roe v. Wade, but people are talking about it as though it had overturned Roe v. Wade because that seems to be the landmark decision. But anyway, Casey uh, and Roe v. Wade, the decisions that previously gave the right, the, the God-given holy right to abort one's fetus slash baby um, has been overturned, uh, which means not that abortion is illegal throughout this glorious land and now criminalized and so forth, all the, and we'll get into that in a moment, but uh, that it simply goes to the states. All right. Now, most of our listeners know this, Ari. Ari's back with us, by the way. Um, most of our listeners know very, they're educated about this. It's just very interesting to see how um, people are now taking this, that the left, of course, wants to hear what they want to hear. They only want to think of the right as scalawags and evil, evil people. And so they say that this will make uh, abortion illegal everywhere and the right won't stop until abortion is illegal everywhere. Okay. Uh, the fact is that all that it means all that it says is that it was never rightly in the Supreme Court in the first place. It should not have been there, uh, should not have been a constitutional right, no less. Um, and to actually uh, codify a sort of legislation where the first trimester versus the second and third trimesters, it was all madness. It was what we call in law lochnerizing, the idea that the court will somehow make rules rather than interpret what a law is constitutionally. Okay. So what I'm more interested today, uh, for obviously I'm very thrilled about the uh, decision. I mean, it's a fantastic decision. And not only that, but it was very well written, especially from the uh, perspective of Justice Thomas, uh, Thomas in his concurring opinion. He was brilliant. And he, you know, while the, the majority opinion said, look, we're not going to uh, extend this beyond abortion. We're not going to somehow overturn Obergefell, which is the gay rights decision, or the contraception decision, or the uh, you know sodomy laws uh, decisions, or anything. We're not, we're not going there. Don't worry, they seem to say. Thomas, I think, correctly says, no, I mean, we shouldn't be holding ourselves back on this. Um, all, of, all of those decisions are wrong to, to say somehow that there's a constitutional right uh, to sodomy. It's just not. I mean, a state can decide uh, to not allow a certain kind of sexual behavior, that they're allowed to do that. Now, whether that's right or wrong, that's a different story. I mean, we can, we can agree to, it's not even agreeing to disagree. We can agree that, that hopefully such a law would not never come to pass and certainly not enforcement of that law. But it doesn't mean that it's in the Constitution, right? So it's something called substantive due process, which was made out of whole cloth, this, this idea that somehow you can muck up the word due process and it means everything, anything and anything you want, like the word social justice, right? That, that phrase, it means anything. So that's what substantive due process has come to mean. And Justice Thomas has talked about this uh, very well, I thought. The, con the concurring opinion of Roberts was particularly stupid. Um, he, uh, in his never-ending effort to want to look uh, reasonable and wants, wants to be likable and to, to be loved, 
um, he said, well, we should have just uh, affirmed the Mississippi law and be done with it and not necessarily said anything about Roe v. Wade, um, basically watering it down more Roe v. Wade and Casey even more. But uh, that anyway, it's all nonsense. So look... I always like to know my audience. I know the audience here listening is very familiar with what the effect of this. So, so I'm not going to say this over and over again. Bottom line, it didn't belong in the Supreme Court. It is out of the Supreme Court right, right now. Uh, the possibilities for the left now are very simple. Uh, either uh, be very aggressive in each of the states where there is going to be restrictions on abortion of any kind or maybe a ban abortion altogether and fight for justice in those respective states um, and try to change the law so that abortion is allowed or uh, have a federal congressional law that says that abortion is A-OK all throughout the land. And you can more or less codify Roe if you like. Uh, then, look, we, 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 you and I would have nothing to c- complain about from a constitutional point of view. Uh, we would complain and we'd say, that, well, this is a, a bad law, yes. Uh, we would fight against it. But the fact that the Supreme Court had given its imprimatur, uh, I never know how to pronounce imprimata. that. Imprimata. Um, on this, uh, this idea of abortion. I mean, that, that was just ridiculous. So if the Congress and the Senate and then passed by the, the president, says that abortion is A-OK, it should never be criminalized. Okay, what can we do? I mean, at least the process was correct. What, what we griped about as conservatives is that the process was wrong. It just didn't belong in the Supreme Court. And as the liberals like to say, you know, nine men in robes, and back then it was only nine men, uh, decided uh, to, uh, to tell us uh, that, you know, what morality, our, our morality is wrong and that it's okay to kill unborn babies. And yeah, we have an interest in that. There are 63 million babies that were killed since Roe v. Wade. Oh, 63 million. Isn't that like 10 holocausts? You know what? That's a good point. That's, that's a really good way of putting it. There are uh, 10 holocausts that have occurred. And, you know, we, we do have standing to complain about that in the same way that, even though it's not our child that was killed, right? Uh, these 63 million kids. Uh, the state has a- an interest in protecting the lives of children, protecting the lives of, of anybody in, in California, for example. Um, and we are part of the state, and the state should have an interest in protecting the unborn, even though we're not related to them. We, we sh- it's not a standing issue from our point of view. It's, it's a, a morality point of view. We see it as a crime. And that is an interesting thing. Now, I want to talk about the consequences of what abortion, what, what, what really has happened through Roe v. Wade. Because usually, as, as you always know, there are consequences to every liberal thought. And uh, Ari and I were kind of joking before this podcast about how there's so many movies out there that present a scientific conundrum. Um, not conundrum, but a new scientific technology that's supposed to be so wonderful. For example, Minority Report. Remember that movie? Uh, it's with Tom Cruise in it. And a, pre-crime. And, yeah, pre-crime. So they found these two people that were able to uh, figure out ahead of time when somebody's going to commit a murder, and that way they stop the guy and they can arrest him for the pre-crime, which is effectively attempted murder, pre-crime of murder. Uh, but don't you know, as the movie progresses... There's manipulation afoot, 
and bad things are happening. It's not quite accurate. And now we realize that that, that technology was not such a good idea after all. There's another movie I remember seeing where uh, some sort of service offered to erase the memories, the, the, the painful memories that somebody might have, you know, for a fee, of course. And isn't that great? You can get rid of that terrible uh, memory that you have of the breakup of this girl who broke up with you and, and uh, you could forget about her, literally, uh, and so on. But there are all sorts of consequences with that, right? So these are liberal filmmakers that make these things. What was the other movie? Ready, Ready Player One also, something similar, right? The, the idea of some new technology and things just don't work out. AI, artificial intelligence. Oh, AI, yeah. And of course, the Terminator movies, you know. Yeah, okay, all those things. Uh, as, as, this would be a, <clears throat> a uh, lurry concept. Uh, stuff has consequences sometimes. Yeah, there you go. Oops. <laughs> So, so they're, they're ready and heady to talk about consequences and they make entertainment out of it. Uh, and, oh, of course, Jurassic Park. Duh, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, nature will find a way and all those things. You know, we, we engage in such uh, arrogant hubris and then the Jeff Goldstein character, right? Goldberg. Goldblum character. He's always talking about uh, we dare not uh, play with just, these things. You just slurred your fellow Jew by not remember whether he was a Steen, a Berg, a... Uh, you know, uh, well, it reminds me of that joke. Right? Blum. Gold Blum reminds me of the joke of the guy goes into the bar and he sees uh, another guy, but he's, he's totally drunk. This this guy, and they're watching some documentary on the Titanic, and the uh, the guy is saying, you know, boy, you know those Jews, they they uh, they're responsible for all the terrible things in the world, financial crisis, the depression, the, the, the such World War One and World War Two, and then he looks up at the, the, the documentary and he goes, "And you know what? They're responsible for the Titanic sinking as well." And the guy who came in says, "Oh wait, 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 buddy, you know you're drunk. I get it, but dude, I mean, <laughs> the Jews being responsible for the Titanic. Everyone knows that it was sunk by an iceberg." And the guy says. Iceberg, Goldberg, whatever. Yes. <laughs> right? yeah. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Okay, so going back to uh, where we are. Um, you know, the consequences, they, they're not interested in that. And abortion was this great idea, just like Terminator, just like Jurassic Park, right? We'll just make it rare, safe. No, safe, legal, legal and rare. rare. The emphasis on the word rare. Uh, when, of course, it, be, it just mushroomed into titanium. Titanic proportions, right? It was huge. Suddenly, they were uh, slaughtering babies on an industrial-sized scale. I mean, it was a whole, not, I would say, a cottage industry, but it wasn't a cottage. It was a full-blown industry where Planned Parenthood in particular was making uh, millions and perhaps billions of dollars at the end of the day and then, by, kill, by literally killing babies. And then they decided, I think they call this in the stock market derivatives, yeah. Right? Then they realized they could sell the parts. Uh, I mean, yeah. oh my God! <laughs> yeah, that, right? that's bad enough, right, with Gosnell and so on. So, uh, but look at, look at the other consequences. I mean, that's the kind of most obvious consequence of the abortion culture. They couldn't see that coming uh, is fascinating to me. Because that to me is, it was obvious, right? Like the COVID restrictions and the shutdown, you know, you and I could easily see this is going to destroy a lot of businesses, right? That, that, that was fair enough. But there are so many other ripple, or as you say, derivative effects of the COVID shutdown, such as the suicides and the drugs and, and the, the spousal abuse. 
Anyway. Election fraud. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, he went there. Anyway, um, so th- what what we don't understand is that it, it mushroomed into, into the, all this, but there's so many other aspects of what happened with the abortion culture. It became a new culture. Let's, the first things first, it, it made us callous to life. It made us think that a human life is, uh, not all human lives are the same. How about that? That some lives matter more than others. And the unborn, well, their lives don't matter whatsoever. It's just a clump of cells, as they said. And then it also created, and this is where I think a lot of people didn't see it. It, it, it created a culture which minimized and uh, trivialized marriage. Right? Because if you can get the cow for free, why buy the milk, as they say, right? No, if you can get the milk for free, why, why buy the cow? That's the expression. Why? So what, know, what, what happens is that people, people can have sex anytime they want without yes. any consequences. Yeah, without having to be married beforehand and without the consequence of a new life coming into this world being an assured thing or an right. expected thing from such sexual activity. Well, that's exactly right. So, that, so marriage, you know, people bemoan and correctly bemoan that marriage is no longer as paramount or uh, in people's lives. It's no longer a real goal for a lot of people, even for women, uh, where traditionally women were very much keyed up on marriage um, because that was where you, where you went um, and they wanted to have kids and all, all those things. Now, the idea of having kids is just not of interest whatsoever. Um, they, they think to themselves, marriage and kids for that matter, that they can have all the sex, all the fun, and have no consequences associated with it. They forget why sex uh, has been given to us, yes, given to us from God in the first place. And it was a gift from God to not only to produce, but also to see, to experience the joy of creation. And instead, we, we, we don't like the, the consequences of that creation, so, but we do like the, the process very much. Oh, that's a lot of fun. So they strip it away. Um, it's like uh, stripping away the, the, the healthy part of uh, rice and you just eat the, the fun stuff, right? Because um, I always get, uh, everyone likes to have white rice instead of brown rice. It tastes better, right? So you get the idea. I'm not sure that's the best analogy, but I'm sticking with it. It's a really bad one because brown rice will kill you, but. <laughs> oh, God, here we go with the conspiracies vegan. again. All right. Anyway, you get the idea. So they, it was about marriage, and, and suddenly n- commitment was out, out the window. The idea of having uh, a relationship at all uh, was of no interest to a lot of people. So you have this very coarse uh, new culture that has developed where it's a hookup culture, right? People decide, okay, well, you know, what's wrong with just having you know, sex overnight? And we used to call it a one-night stand, and now it's called a hookup culture, meaning that they just do it all the time. So there was one, uh, I don't know if it was a tweet or it was a TikTok thing, it doesn't matter, a video of a woman saying, you know, thanks a lot, uh, you conservative bastards. You, you completely undid uh, Roe v. Wade and, you know, you can, you can kiss your hook, hookup culture, you know, bye-bye. No longer are we able to now have uh, sex with a rando drunk uh, or drunk rando, as she said. Um, and uh, now, now we have to worry about the consequences of, of that, of, of him being the father of our child. Like, <laughs> it, what, what do they say? They, they call it speaking the quiet part out loud. 
That's what she did. And, and you know, maybe, maybe she was being tongue-in-cheek. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she's, she's a stupid. But she's actually saying exactly what you and I are thinking, which is, yeah, it's the end of, end of the hookup culture. As if that's a bad thing. Right. As if somehow, oh, no, what shall we do without the hookup culture? Well, well, it was so great for us. Well, she's revealing how irresponsible the hookup culture was that we were assured was being practiced with responsibility. We were assured all these years. No, 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 no. They're going to use safe sex. They're going to use the condom. They're going to be on the pill. They're going to do this. They're gonna... Oh, so now you're admitting that all of those responsible behaviors were... Not there to begin with? Oh, oh, oh. and and what about that? Um, forget, I'm not talking about the RU4A6 pill. What about the Plan B pill? Yeah. I thought you worked long and hard to make not only Plan B over the counter, but if you go to the UCLA campus and go to the Ackerman Union building where they have like the bowling alley and the cafeteria and all that, they sell that damn stuff in vending machines. Oh, my God, that's, that's so, wild. So, uh, again, we have been... Uh, Told all these years, contraception, responsibility, safe sex, plan B. You won't need abortions if kids practice that. And we were, of course, go, then where are there all these abortions happening? Yeah. Right? All this, this, all this rivers of blood flowing out of this, the 10 Holocaust, so to speak. Then this girl reveals it. Aha, uh -huh, you were lying about all that other stuff, despite the widespread access. Right. Well, that, that, that's what's really going on. I mean, let's say she's, you know, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she meant it as tongue-in-cheek because why would she say, I really want to have sex with a, a random drunk guy, okay? I mean, I get that. Um, you know, per preferably and presumably she would rather have sex with somebody who's not drunk and who is a little bit more loving to her, whatever. That's not the point. The, but what, what is the point is, and she's spot on, that it will get rid of the, the hookup culture. People will have to think before they have sex. And that is something for which they cannot abide. Uh, they, well, oh, let, me, let me finish up the point. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. So there's a lot to say on this particular point. Uh, so they just can't stand the end of the hookup culture. They will not tolerate that. They love the hookup culture. And, and that's, that's what they, that bothers them, I think, the most. So... And Europe, by the way, sees abortion as a form of birth control. It's, it's like a major form of birth control, and especially in Eastern Europe. Uh, during the communist days up to, what, 1989, 1990, uh, abortion was free-flowing, baby. It was, it was easy-peasy. Uh, the government was constantly encouraging it. And the average woman in, I believe it was Romania, had six to seven abortions in her lifetime, yeah. which is a huge number. Uh, whereas in America, it was uh, one per four, four women, something like that, would have it, which is still too much. At most. And, and by the way, concentrated in certain areas. Can I just make one point of what you were talking about before for yeah. one second? Uh, they can't stand the hookup culture going away in states they don't live in. That's with the real irony. Yeah. Because someone who has that attitude towards life, I guarantee most likely doesn't live in Alabama or yes. Tennessee. They live in New York and L.A. where nothing's changing. Yeah. So what's the big deal? Right. Oh, they can't stand the hookup culture going away for other people. Right. Why, liberals do this all the time, by the way, because it exposes the, the, the fallacy of their arguments, the fragility of their arguments, and the big lie. That the, big, the big lie is that it's, it's really uh, – that it's somehow not about accountability, not about 
responsibility. It is all about that. They want to be able to just be reckless about sex. That's what it is. Now, um, they, you know, all the more to the point, they, they want it to be more like Europe, like Europe is, that, that abortion is uh, such a great deal. It's, it's the backstop for contraception. But they're using it as a, the primary thing nowadays. They don't, they don't want to be bothered. I think Anari just touched upon this. They don't want to be bothered with having to put on a, a condom for the man or taking a pill or the morning after pill for that matter. They just don't want to think about it. They just want to have wild, crazy sex. Uh, and think of sex in the same way that you would have a night on the town in terms of, I don't know, going with the girls and, and getting some ice cream or going with the boys and, and going bowling. You know, that's what sex is to them. Well, it's, 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 but, but it's, that's, a, it's a soothing. It's a, it's a way of soothing the, the um, it, literally and both physically and uh, uh, um, uh, it, it just... Uh, non-physically filling in an empty space, if you will. The other thing uh, about it, there's just uh, two quick points, if I can remember, because one I think is a profound point. Uh, background information on Europe is in all of Western Europe, abortion is restricted to 12 weeks. So when they freaked out about the 15-week law and said, this is not the standard of the rest of the world, have you seen France? 12 weeks. But you're right, it is widespread as birth control. But the, the irony to me, of pointing to the, a, a restrictive country, a, a tyrannical system like Eastern Europe's former communism or Nazi Germany or, say, I Iran today or North Korea as a China, as a model to live by, is irony, you know? So, oh, China does it. They'll let's be China for a day. Friedman argument of China does social credit scores, so we should do it is, is horrific. But the irony of these people who call Trump a Nazi, call conservative a Nazi, are basically making the argument of, well, Nazi Germany allows the killing of Jews, so why don't we? You know, communist yeah. countries allow the mass abortion of babies until yes. 10 days okay. after birth, so why don't we? We're not as free as communist Russia, you know? Okay. Look, I agree with you. I, we're getting a little off track here, yeah, but it, I... It shows I, the, the wilder I, I got it. I got it. all around this issue. I got it. Of course, there's hypocrisy all around, uh, but... So the European style of thinking of sex is, uh, you know, abounding. And they want, you know, Americans, so many of the left at least, want to be more and more like the Europeans. They, they impose it uh, in terms of free speech. They impose it in terms of the COVID restrictions, for example, uh, guns, for example, and so many other things. And now they want to do it with sex and abortion, too. So, look, we, we talked about how it's changing the culture and... What, what I also find very interesting um, in, in terms of responsibility and, and how it all affects, I mean, it's, it has so many ripple effects when you think about it. Um, we talked about how it's the end of, of a hookup culture, um, but it's also like how women want to be more like men, right? Jumping into bed all the time. And that has not been healthy. Where That has also broken down the distinction between men and women. Um, so when when you say that abortion is available at any time of the the pregnancy for that matter then then you really do have a situation where women begin to think of themselves uh as men that they don't have responsibility there's no there's no reason to say no to a man right which in turn leads men to be more aggressive and to be more careless with women as well it everything about it has bad bad effects about it there's nothing that's there's no good that can come out of it now um, there was recently a podcast I was listening to, and this one woman, a woman, she she talked about how 
And she was on the left. And she said, you know, we have only ourselves, we on the left, to blame for this overturning of Roe v. Wade and Casey uh, because, you know, they gave us an inch and we should have stuck with the inch. Instead, we took a mile. What does she mean by that? She said that it wasn't enough that we were allowed the right to an abortion, the right to choose. Uh, we kept on going further and further. We said, oh, we should be, be allowed to have an abortion at three and a half months, four and a half months, six months, seven yeah, months. And now it's, uh, you know, California is proposing legislation, but it's going to eventually be law uh, in some states that you can have an abortion up to the day of birth, if not after Frankly, it's, it's the stuff of horror movies when you think about it. I, I, it. It is terrifying. And when people say that sounds ridiculous, Barack, well, okay. I mean, so many other things sounded ridiculous only 20 years, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, the transgender stuff, that, that a man could be a woman. All these things that we're talking about today, uh, that America was founded on slavery. I mean, it, it, we should teach sex uh, and, and homosexual sex, no less, to uh, five-year-olds, uh, or even any, even up to 18-year-olds old. I mean, it, it has no place in school, and yet here we are. So don't think for a moment that the left is not aggressively pursuing the ability and the so-called right to abort, in a baby, abort a baby, or fetus, as they like to call it, uh, up through the date of birth and beyond. Uh, and then when it goes beyond, they'll say, well, you know what, uh, these babies, you know, maybe you want to kill them uh, within two years of their lives. You know, they, they'll, they'll be ever so reasonable. And then we'll have to backtrack and say, no, it should be, you shouldn't be able to kill the baby any time after one year of his life. I mean, what the, the, the um, what do they call it? The, um, the, the goalposts keep change, changing, right? And that's what I'm worried about. So, but here's the thing that I'm very flummoxed about. And Ari, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because I, to me, and I've always said this, and you, you and I have always said this, that most abortions are done for the sake of convenience. Right? We, we know that. This whole health of the mother stuff, it just doesn't exist. It's not real. Uh, rape and incest, that's real, of course. That, that definitely happens. But even then, it's a vast minority, as they say, uh, of abortions. And you shouldn't let uh, that tail wag that dog, right? Um, and it's not appropriate. So putting that aside, I mean, l let's even carve out the, the rape and, and, and incest exceptions. The fact is that most abortions are done for convenience. But, and this is the thing that bothers me so much, Ari, and this is what really I want to get your opinion on this. It's done for convenience, but most women know that they are pregnant, uh, you know, within two months uh, easily. Um, they miss the period, they feel nauseous, whatever it might be, and then, okay, then they're, they're pregnant. And then they decide to get an abortion. And most of the time, I think they do it not because um, they're, they, they're concerned about taking care of a baby that they can't take care of, they're too poor, or whatever it might be. And I, that's BS. Because they always sidestep the possibility of adoption, right? They can give the, the baby up for adoption, and the story, everything's clean. But I, I don't know... Um, so let me get this straight. It's for convenience. We all acknowledge that it's for convenience. But I think also there's part of it of a stigma. So a woman walks around and she's now showing, right? It's obvious that she's pregnant, let's say four months, five months, six months. And she's, she doesn't want her 
teenage friends, let's say, it's always a teenager, right? But, but let's say in her 20s or an unmarried woman, for whatever reason, she feels that she doesn't want to walk around with this protruding belly and have to answer any questions. Oh, what's happening? Oh, you know, because it, it's too obvious, right? Um, so, okay, I, I kind of get that. Uh, I don't think that's, that's a good enough reason to have an abortion because you, you don't want to answer questions. Um, but I think that's really one of the main reasons why women have abortions. Because if you can give up the baby for an adoption, then give up the baby for adoption. Yes, I understand it's inconvenient. You get nauseous and such, and, and the childbirth itself is very painful. I get that. But that's not the reason why they say they want an adoption. The only reason that they say that, that, was, that they want an abortion, the only reason why they say they want an abortion is because they don't want to be saddled with a baby. And, be, and it will destroy their lives and their careers, right? That's what you hear from all these politicos like Nancy Pelosi, who talked about that, like AOC, um, Maxine Waters. All these women have saying it's going to destroy women's lives. But it doesn't. We know that it doesn't because they can give up the baby for adoption. There's plenty of that. So but here's the question I have for you, Ari. Why is it that if what I say is correct, that it's for convenience and maybe the embarrassment factor, they don't want the, to, to answer questions because of the you know, protruding belly and it looks awkward for them. If that's the, why would they fight so hard for the right to kill the baby uh, day before the baby is born, for example? Why, why would that be? Because then all the stigma has already happened, right? I mean, they, they've already had the protruding belly for nine months, for whatever, however many months. Uh, and, and now they want to kill the day before it's born when the day after it's born, they could easily give it up for an adoption. I don't get it. What, what, what's the purpose of that? So let me know your thoughts. I, let me, before I answer that, let me say that you left a tiny bit out of the question, which is, I'm right in this. Um, isn't there a bigger stigma of embarrassment having everyone see you at nine months pregnant and then say, what happened to your baby? Oh, I aborted it the day before I whelped. I well, mean, okay, yeah, a, all right. That's a strange That's a strange level of stigma to avoid. You know what I mean? Because you're stepping in the biggest stigma pile there is. Okay, I get it. I, 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 you, yeah. you got a good point. You got a good point, but... But now, please answer me that question. I will. I'm going to answer, which is, like everything else in this, the reason isn't the reason. It's nonsense. The real reason, and this, I believe, is the most grotesque thing of all, is that nine-month aborted baby guts are more valuable on the open baby gut market than six-week clump of cell baby guts. Like, no, you know what, Sherlock? Wow. Okay. Wow, 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 hold on. Let me, let me process that because that sadly, sadly is the only explanation that explains the question, it answers the question that I just posed to Ari and that I posed to all of you because you have to scratch your head and say, well, wait a minute. If it's for convenience or, and or for uh, avoiding stigma of being pregnant, then... <clears throat> Why would they worry about aborting a baby in the ninth month or even a day after the day that, that the child is born? Why, why would they insist on that so much? Because the stigma would certainly go, 
The convenience is not really a factor. In fact, not at all a factor because you can easily give up the baby for, for an adoption. So the only answer, the only one that I've heard so far that makes sense is what Ari just said. And thank you, Ari, for that. I, I, it, it troubles me. It's painful to it hear should. that. <laughs> but I think he might be onto something here, that it is more valuable. I'll repeat what he said, that baby parts are more valuable if they are more developed as a nine-month gestating uh, fetus or even a day after the, the, a, born the, the, a born baby than uh, you know, a, a, a fetus at two, three, five weeks uh, much more valuable. If that's the case, and I haven't had an explanation that is better than that or, that, or anything even close to that, then I think we've got a real horror show going on in, our, in this country. And, and before you think that that's crazy, because now, now, you know, this is very uh, impromptu and very spontaneous right now, but as I think about it, Ari, uh, and what I'm going to say now is, is consistent with what you just said, before you think what Ari said and what I am now adopting as well uh, is crazy, I want you to know that this is happening in other countries, right? We know that in China, they are harvesting organs from Uyghur Muslims, uh, and God knows from somebody else. I'm, I'm sure they do also from baby parts. Um, this is a country that is truly godless. I'm talking about China. Um, and they, you know, see that as a business. It's, it's you know, it's great stuff. You've got these people that you don't want, the Uyghur Muslims, but they have healthy organs. And uh, by golly, there are some people that want to be able to, to harvest those organs. So why not make some money out of the process? Uh, and, and I have to think that that's the only way you can explain what's happening with these, uh, the, the, this push for late-term abortions. One more thought, then I want to hear some more of what you have to say, Ari, because Ari is very much hot to trot on this, and I think he's right to be hot to trot on it. Let's, the fact is that, you know, why <laughs> industries are born out of efficiencies, right? And Ari, you and I talked about this a lot before about how the Airbnb business and Uber for that matter, why are they so successful? Because they took advantage of inefficiencies. They saw a surplus of uh, cars uh, and they're all in garages. Well, they could be on the roads and actually transporting people. Likewise, with empty homes, they could be used to be rented out. And, and these services, Airbnb and Uber, are there to simply you know, avoid the friction in the market and, and make life easier and, and everyone will be happy in the process, right? Same thing with and something, you know, I'm a vegan and you know that, but one thing I've always admired about the meat industry is they don't let anything go to waste. There's not a single part of a cow, let's say. Snout to tail. Snout to tail. It, it, it's used some way or the other. Okay, I, I have to respect that. I mean, if they're going to kill a cow, at the very least, use all of its parts uh, efficiently, Okay. Um, and they do that. Now, you know where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's this abortion industry. And they're making a lot of money from women who want to abort their babies. But gosh, there's a whole surplus of extra stuff here. Whatever shall we do with it? Just throw it away? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It's also messy and unpleasant for us. Wouldn't there be uh, just a a win-win situation if some company could cart away these unused body parts 
and use it for whatever purpose they desire. We win by not having to dispose of these parts, and they'll come up and clean it up for us, and they win by being able to use these parts for some sort of beneficial purpose. What I'm going to say next will expose the horror of this even further, and then I'm going to address what you just said, so leave this with me for a minute here. The first part of it is a few years ago, a group of priests went and tried to make places like Planned Parenthood release the bodies of the babies for burial so they could be given funerals. Planned Parenthood didn't like this for the basic reason of if there's a grave, there's a memory. And if there's a memory, then there's knowledge. Mm -hmm. Second part of this is about a year and a half ago, well into the China virus uh, situation, it was revealed in deep dives of Fauci's history that Fauci was funding for huge amounts of money, crazy chimeric experiments, this case at the University of Pittsburgh, but also at other places, where they were grafting parts of mice onto what were still living organs in aborted babies. This gets into the why they want the post-birth abortions to be legalized. Yeah, okay. Because they, don't tell it away yet because I haven't finished. Uh, the, there's a gigantic macabre industry. And this isn't the baby guts. This is a whole other thing. A macabre funding industry. And God knows what foundations are funding this. I, I know the Gates Foundation was involved in funding a lot of this stuff. But there's huge money in crazy Dr. Mengele-level experiments on the babies' uh, yeah. bodies. Okay. And these are the not eviscerated babies. These are the whole ones where they're still, it's so fresh, they're still living tissue that they can graft in these crazy experiments. Yeah. Then the third part, which is the macabre dissection and sending organs for various reasons, research, product, because, you know, they manufacture drugs. The, uh, the Bush administration was in that huge controversy. And this was, there were a couple of things that George W. Bush did that was good. And one of the great ones was when he banned the use of stem cells yeah. for some of the stuff. And he wrote, and this was Fe- fetal stem cells. Fetal stem cells. He wrote a very eloquently worded reason for his decision, which was had to do with like the respect for human life and that we should not encourage having a culture of death for profit. Yeah. Brilliant. And at the time, people went kind of like, well, who would do that? But we didn't know things about like the David Daleiden tapes and that Planned Parenthood yeah, yeah. and those other medical research houses were doing this. So again, I just want to recap the three areas. Um, uh, living tissue for graft experiment, the funding thereof, and then the baby guts yeah. industry, as you made the brilliant analogy to my beloved meat industry of efficiencies. <laughs> right. And efficiencies in the meat industry is great because it shows respect for an animal that was not aborted, by the way, grew to full term, was yeah, treated yeah. well, right. and had a lot of money invested okay. in it. You yeah, know? I, get, I get it. Look, I mean, uh, these points are, are very good points. And what you're talking about, and, and really it's ultimately the, the worst consequence of Roe v. Wade because it's, you know, people say, oh, finally, it's, uh, you know, it's been overturned. Uh, Casey's been overturned, too, which was in the 90s. Um, but you know what the problem is? It's, it's been 50 years. And 50 years is a long time. You know, but, I mean, somebody who was born in 1973 at the time of Roe v. Wade uh, is now a 50-year-old or almost 50-year-old 
man or woman, they're very mature, right? I mean, they are, they're well past midlife, right? Think of all the things that you've done. You're older than 50, right, Dari? You, you know, think of all the things you've done in your life that just, you know, moved here, done that, had kids, everything else. And this Roe v. Wade has had a life of its own. And in 50 years, you can do it. That's two generations, technically speaking. Of snuffed out lives. And that's, well, no, no, what I'm saying is two generations of, of people doing things. And I mean, that's a long period of time. And that can affect the culture, right? I mean, you do this long enough um, and bad things will happen. And of course, this, you know, Roe v. Wade lasted, you know, if it was only a year, okay, we could deal with it, but it's 50 years. And in those 50 years, a culture developed. And this culture was a culture of death. It's, it, it changed us. It made us more callous. It made us unconcerned about life. It made us think that life is, is uh, you know, moving gold posts or is a, um, what do you call it? Well, disposable. Yeah, good point. But, uh, but it's a moving target. Um, life begins when we decide it begins, which means that life is not precious at all. Uh, certainly not God-given. So it, it, it has made us reject God without, even for those who may be religious, those who supported abortion uh, were rejecting God. It had to reject God one way or the other. It created this cruel culture within us. And, and the way people speak about abortion and, and their ignorance of the real issues of abortion, such as not only the adoption ability and on such like that, but to call a baby uh, a choice. It's not a choice. A baby, is not, a baby is a baby. A fetus is a fetus, a baby is a baby, and a choice is a choice. No, but you, you, the only choice you made is a choice not to govern your own body or to have your body, uh, uh, what do they call it? autonomy? That's the new word that they use all the time. No, no. You chose to kill a baby. That was the only choice you made. And for that, you're accountable. You will be accountable. You don't want to be accountable. You want to see it the way you want to see it, which is a clump of cells, which mean absolutely nothing to you, and, and thereby, thereby express outrage at anyone who would say, that this clump of cells is no clump of cells. It's actually a living human being. And let me speak for a couple of minutes about the point you just made about the, the calcis of this culture because I'm a product of that. I grew up in the post-row world and was educated in it, and it had a few effects on me personally. First of all, a lack of respect for the sanctity of sexual activity and a... Uh, and this is very painful for me to say, but a disrespectfulness for children that I have even to this day because children pre-Roe were treasured. And in the way I grew up, they weren't. And not only were they not treasured, they were scorned. Literally, I, I'm, I've, now that I have children and seeing them grow, and I have two children, there, one of the uh, stories in the Bible that goes through my mind almost every day is Cain versus Abel, the original murder, the original murder victim. And the whole thing that I have in this is what is the goal of being a parent? And I think it's like a Dennis Prager kind of concept and a Brock Lurie concept, which is the attempt to raise children who loathe murder. Yeah. That's my one goal. If my children loathe murder, 
as adults, I did my job duty. Yeah. Yeah. They may commit it, but as long as they know it's wrong and hate it, that's it. Yeah. But what the Roe decision did against me and my generation is it started on the path, this gigantic, and you see it in the blue hair screamers out there, these people who hate people. These people who are okay, they think Cain is the first abortionist. Cain is the first liberator of women. Yeah, I'm, I'm hyperbolic in this. But it, it shows you the how I had to do the incredibly hard task of relearning the idea that human life is sanctified. Yeah. Okay, so look, I, I like what you're saying and I agree with you. It, it creates that, but that's the culture of death that we're talking about. Yeah. And, and what it also teaches children for that matter, if, if they, you know, now everyone's learning about abortion, you know, whether you like it or not, your, your eight-year-old kid is learning about abortion and uh, they're discussing it in the camps. And fortunately it happened in the summer, so maybe they'll, they'll wait until uh, school and then it, somehow they can protect against talking about it. But you get the idea. The, the kids are learning that, what, wait, you can kill a child in the womb? That's okay somehow? Oh, yes, you know, because a woman has a right to choose. So if you didn't want me, mommy, then you would have killed me? Well, it's a question of autonomy, son, uh, and it's my career. No, but you would have killed me, mom? And that, that, that's got to be very... Um, terrifying. Well, terrifying and, and uh, disheartening and, and, and unsettling, I, I guess I should say the word. Because... By contrast, if you have the notion that, okay, once a woman is pregnant, that life in, inside her is precious, even from the very next day, right after conception, there's something holy about that, then it's a very different game. So let me wrap it up like this, because I, you know, this was a very enlightening and very powerful podcast, and, and I hope in some ways disturbing, because we are going down a treacherous path. It is great that Roe v. Wade and and Casey were overturned. They were monstrous decisions. But the problem is we're not even halfway there. The problem is that unless we change this culture, this culture of death, you're going to have abortions still happening everywhere in the United States and for that matter the world, but I'm really talking about the United States for now. And people pushing for extra rights in abortion and otherwise. And unless we bring God back into the equation... You're going to see more of more of a push for this country to act more and more like China. It will be uh, not like Thomas Friedman says, China. Let's be China for a day. It'll be like China forever, and that is a, a country I dare not go to as a model, as an example of any kind whatsoever. Because if you do take God out of the equation, if you do advance abortion, quote unquote, rights. As uh, to the extent that the left wants it to go, you will be like China. You will be selling body parts. You will be uh, treating life as though it is absolutely trivial. That is nowhere where we want to be. All right, my friends. We celebrate a very important victory in the courts. But make no mistake, this is not the end. We need to continue to fight on because there are monsters on the other side of this fight. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.